uh, this morning. Fall has definitely fallen, huh? Yeah, the temps and everything, but uh, it's great to be together today as the chapel family. I hope that you guys had a, a real, real good week. Uh, we are continuing on in our wisdom literature series. So we started this a few weeks back, and last week we specifically looked at what? We looked at anger, and I know that really hit a lot of us, like a ton of bricks, looking at sort of the uh, destructive nature of anger, as well as some of the times where we really need to have a righteous anger as well. And the things that God is angry about, we also need to be angry about at times, okay? Um, But this week we are looking at the problem of envy, and I know none of you out there ever, ever struggle with envy, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know I've struggled, we've all struggled at different times with envy. So envy is one of those words that maybe we've heard a lot of through the years. But do we really truly know what it actually means? What the, the real definition of envy is? Okay, so here it is. It actually comes from the Hebrew word kana in the Old Testament, and then the Greek word, this is a toughie right here, phanoos, okay, I think that's close. In the New Testament, it, it conveys displeasure at another's good. Displeasure at another's good, and is defined in its essence as really wanting someone else's life. Whoa, okay. Maybe not wanting all of their life, but there's pieces, there's parts of their life that you like, ooh, I wish I had that, or I wish I had that part over there. And so sometimes that's where envy kind of lies. You see someone that has something better than you, and instead of rejoicing in the good that they have, you kind of weep over the fact that you don't have it. You wish that you could have it. It could be something material, perhaps, but it could be something that maybe is a position in society. Maybe it's a position of power or something. Maybe it's a position within the workforce that you really wish that that you had, that you think you're better qualified for that. So think with me here. When was a time when you really felt envious, where you felt envy towards someone? Maybe, Maybe it was when you were a kid. Maybe it was when you were a teen. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it's today where you're really kind of just struggling with having envy towards somebody. I know for me there's been several times in my life where I've, I've dealt with that. I've struggled with that. I'll never forget one of, the, one of the times I was 14 years old, okay? And at 14 years old, you want to kind of have some of the things that your buddies have, okay? And I'll never forget, I turned 14, and, and I, I had a little bit later birthday, August birthday, and all my, my friends were getting these things called mopeds. Oh, baby. And they developed moped gangs, seriously, where they would drive all over the neighborhood, and they were having a blast together. I mean, this is a big deal in the 1980s, let me tell you. And they were having so much fun, and I remember I'm sitting at home all alone with my little Huffy. My little, my little Huffy, my Huffy one-speed bike. And I keep thinking, man, I wish I had a moped like all of my friends. So I'm begging, and I'm begging, and I'm begging that somehow, some way, I could get one. Well, finally, finally, after all that begging, it was my, my Christmas present, my 
Easter basket, my birthday present, my Groundhog Day present. I mean, it was like all presents combined, okay? The only problem was when I finally got it, I was almost 16. And so I'm driving it to work when everybody else, of course, is driving their automobiles, okay? But it's one of those things where I was just so envious of what my buddies had. I remember I was like in tears over this whole thing, you know? And sometimes, you know, it can really bum you out. But then sometimes you can develop really a peace about not having certain things. And then sometimes you can even see where God blesses you with something different in a greater degree in his perfect timing as well. In fact, I'll never forget, uh, I was waiting and waiting for who my bride was going to be, who's my wife going to be, and I'll never forget. I was so happy to be in all these weddings. I was a groomsman ten times, but not a groom for a while. Ten times! And I'm happy for all my brothers in college. I'm happy for them. And I'm, you know, I'm catching three garters. I'm doing all that stuff. And it's not working. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And, and then finally, I meet Miss Amy Michelle, and I meet her on a mission trip to good old West Virginia. And we're at, you know, we're in almost heaven down there, and we're, we're passing the boxes left and right, pass, pass, pass. And I'm thinking, who is this fine lady? I pray she's out of college. <laughs> And, and she, was, she was. She was a nurse. And boom, we just we hit it off big time. And it was a few weeks after that. I mean, we start dating. And, and then she goes to Africa on a mission trip and leaves me. But then she comes back, and we get engaged and get married. And, and it was awesome. But it's one of those things where I had to wait, you know. I had to wait for God's perfect timing. Even though I was struggling with that Envy of wanting things my way, my time. See, it's one of those things where that's a big issue with envy, isn't it? We kind of want our plan and our timing. We want to be in control at all costs instead of letting God be in control. We want to be in charge, so we desperately strive to get what somebody else has and there's danger in this. There's danger because envy will never create the kind of love, the kind of joy, the kind of peace that only God can produce. With envy, you always kind of feel less. You feel less, and nothing's ever going to be good enough in many ways. And a lot of times what will happen is you'll listen less to God, and you'll listen more to other people's opinions, right? Proverbs 14.30, this is what it says. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Wow. You see, envy is really the antithesis of peace. When you're walking in envy, you won't be able to experience the real genuine peace because you never have enough. In all reality, contentment Contentment is the only antidote to envy. And if we don't develop a contentment, envy will eventually begin to eat us up. It'll eat us up physically, 
with all kinds of stomach issues and with perhaps ulcers because there's no peace there. You're constantly thinking about what you should have, you think, in your mind. Our bones begin to rot because we are walking in so much resentment and bitterness. Tim Keller, who we've been kind of working through his devotional with all of these seven different deadly sins that we've been looking at, this is, this is what he says right here. He says, and if we, we don't just want other people's lives. We resent and begrudge them their lives. In praise, you recognize people who are better than you, and you rejoice in it. But in envy, you recognize people that are better off, and you burn with bitterness. Whoa. Have you ever done that where you've kind of burned with bitterness towards someone? See, this can be dangerous because we then begin to become the type of people that really no one wants to be around at all. You see, all sin will make you miserable eventually. But here's the scoop with envy. It's basically miserable right from the start. <laughs> it's miserable right from the start. In reality, it makes you miserable from beginning to end. Other sins, a lot of times, they can kind of provide at least some type of instant gratification at the very beginning. And then you see the destructive nature that kind of hits you later on, right? But when you look at envy, it's just this kind of miserableness that's there. Sometimes it begins in negative feelings of inferiority, and then it progresses kind of into nasty feelings of resentment towards someone. And then it kind of stagnates in some ways into some type of stewing. It's like a stewing that then can produce other types of sins as well. See, that's the danger of envy. It's kind of sometimes one of those undercover type sins in many ways. These other sins are produced because envy's emotions involve unhappiness at other people's happiness. Envy involves weeping because of those who are rejoicing and then rejoicing if they are weeping. See, that's the exact opposite of Scripture, right? We know the Scripture, Romans 12, 15 says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. That's what God's called us to, not the opposite. So then the bottom line. The bottom line when we look at this is don't let envy entangle you. Don't let envy entangle you because that's exactly what it's going to do. Think about, have you ever been entangled by something before? Ever been entangled by something? You know, a lot of times I love to, love to hike and go on to all kinds of different trails and different places and for some reason, sometimes it's kind of exciting. I don't do as much now as I used to, but it's kind of exciting to go off the path a little bit. And so I'm always kind of like, ooh, I wonder what's up here. I wonder if I just climbed up here a little bit and checked this part out over here. And I've done that several times throughout the years, and let me tell you, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. When you go off the path, let me off that path, and I am getting into all kinds of thistles and briars and thorns, and then those little burr things that stick all over you, those brown things, and you can't get those things off. And it's so hard 
to get detangled from all of these different things that are kind of trapping me. That's exactly what happens with Andrew. We get off the path of following the Lord, and we start to allow envy to really seep in and creep in all throughout our soul. What begins to happen is there's this entangling that's there. And then it's a challenge to really be able to get detangled from that. So we have to realize we cannot let envy entangle us. If you even allow a small opening, it will begin to mess with your emotions, entangle your heart, entangle your mind, and we have to be watchful and guard against it because it can happen so subtly, so subtly we don't even see what may be happening. That's why we have to have somebody that can really call us out on it. And most importantly, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts whenever we start to feel that type of envy towards someone else or towards something. Envy eats away at you. And slowly, you and others may seem to notice that you're getting more irritated. You're getting more frustrated, more stressed out in a lot of ways. It's because envy is growing with inside sometimes. And it's not as outwardly obvious sometimes as you see anger with the explosiveness or you see gluttony or you see some of these other sins that sometimes can be a little bit more outward. This one is so inward in nature. So that's why the first step, if we want to truly, truly combat envy, is that we got to look inward at our sin. Call it what it is. It's sin, guys. It's sin. That's what it is. And we got to confess it. But the key is we got to look inward. That's the reflection piece. I think so many times in the Christian life, you know, we, we talk about the importance of worship, which we should. And we talk about the importance of reading our Bibles and the importance of prayer, and all of that is good. But I'm doing with, uh, something with my small group, my co-ed small group, that is dealing with reflection in a lot of ways. Where the group is having to really reflect upon their lives. In fact, we did something with the group this past week where they had to spend five minutes, just five minutes in complete silence and just letting God speak to their heart. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And you know what? That, that was a little hard for a lot of the people in our group, including myself, to really stop from the hustle, the bustle, the moving, and just sit and reflect upon what's really going on inside, to look inward, and then see if there's a sin there that God reveals to you, to be willing to then confess it. Don't hold on to it, to confess it. We need to be honest and admit whose life we sometimes wish we had, or to admit we may not want all of their lives, but there are certainly pieces that we wish we had. When we look at social media, oh, Nelly, that just drives the envy, doesn't it? I've been guilty of that. You start to scroll, and you're scrolling, and you're scrolling, and you're scrolling, and it's, you're just getting more worked up. You know, you're getting more worked up the more you look at it, but here's what we have to realize. As we're doing that, we're seeing the best parts of the best days of everyone's lives, and not the realistic picture, are we? We're seeing the pictures, everybody's all smiling, and then right before that, they're like, oh, you know, you know. I've had that in family pictures. Oh, my lands, there was a time with family pictures. Can we just take the picture? 
And, you know, it's one of those things where everybody, it's World War XII going on. And it's just craziness, right? And then everybody smiles. Oh, what a great, happy family. It goes on to Facebook. Oh, yeah. We live in this Facebook, social media in general type world, okay? But that can create, if we're not careful, a whole lot of envy. And so we have to really have discernment to see that that's, that's only a snapshot of someone's life, okay? And we have to look deep inside of our own hearts and see if we are content with who we are and what we have. And remember that godly contentment is the antidote to envy. Remember that what you have in the gospel, in the gospel will always undermine envy. And remember that you don't have to allow envy to entangle you, okay? And as we look inward, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do that heart surgery that we all need. We have to be willing then to confess our envy. And then Tim Keller uh, gives us a good prayer of confession. And maybe this is a prayer even today. If you want to pray this out loud right now, you can. Pray it silently, whatever you want to do. But this is that prayer of confession where it says, Lord, I confess I envy other people's bodies, bank accounts, relationships, and many other things. I keep this envy a secret, even from myself, because it is so embarrassing, but it robs me of joy and your rightful glory. Help me root it out of my heart. Amen. And maybe that's a, a prayer that we need to pray on a regular basis as well. So we know that looking inward and confessing it, that's going to help us, Right? But we also know we got to look upward to God for hope, right? we got to look to God. and He's the one that's going to provide us hope. This world needs a whole lot of hope. You know, it's breaking my heart what's going on in Israel right now. Maybe you guys saw that in the news. I've been praying so much for all the people of Israel and the things that are taking place. You know, our world needs so much hope. That hope is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? we got to look up to God. Check this out. Proverbs 23, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. It will not be cut off. Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that people that live by the world's standards, we can say, ah, they've got it easy. They don't even have any restrictions. They can kind of do whatever feels good, Right? They have freedom. Do they? It might seem to be going well for them. It might seem that, oh, they don't have any real responsibility. They don't have any Christian responsibility. <laughs> it's easy to fall prey to that warped kind of thinking. We have to remember, though, that their prosperity is very brief in the grand scheme of things. Their freedom is not true freedom. And all of us will stand before God to give an account for our lives, right? Every single one of us will have to stand before God. So then instead of the envy of others, we can replace it with a proper fear of the Lord and then a genuine hope in him. And you may be thinking, is that, is that all that good? Yes, it is, because the fear of the Lord, see, it's a healthy respect for the true nature of God, okay? It's a healthy respect. It's a recognition that there's only one God and we're not him. We always want to be God, don't we? 
Too many times we want to call the shots. We want to be in control. We want to make things happen. But in essence, no way. There's only one God. We need to have a healthy fear of him. And in essence, that fear of the Lord really is a state of the mind where we're exchanging our own attitudes, our will, our feelings, our deeds, our goals for God's. We exchange it for his instead. And then the miracle of miracles takes place because that is what provides then that true hope that we have. And nothing less than Jesus Christ, right? Notice as we seek after the Lord, we're promised this future hope. It's a, not a hope of wishing something were to happen. It's a hope of assurance that we will have for all of eternity because it's a hope that's not cut off. If we try to have worldly type hope, it'll be cut off in a second. It's only temporary worldly hope. But this is everlasting, everlasting, eternal hope that's found in Christ. Here's the thing. We can't be obsessed with the preoccupation of what we deserve. When we do that, our hearts refuse to remember grace and instead think only of what we have earned. The solution is to look up to the Lord and look ahead in hope. That is, we should realize that our true reward is based on God's grace. It's all based on God's grace, not what we've done, not our our works, not earning it. The amazing thing is that because of God's grace, we can have a way of looking up that even the book of Proverbs didn't provide in some ways. It's because of our faith in Jesus. We can see that Jesus, in essence, was the most unenvious person of all time. So then when we realize that what he did on the cross for us, when we truly begin to somehow grasp that a little bit, it will begin to erode envy. It begins to erode it, and then we're not entangled by it. After all, think about this. If he did not complain when he received a life infinitely worse than what he deserved, why should we complain when we as believers in Christ get a life ultimately, infinitely better than what we deserve, right? We're getting something better than we deserve. We know we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But because of faith in Jesus Christ, that we can have eternal hope. So then remember our bottom line, don't let envy entangle you. And our second prayer is this. Maybe pray this out loud if, you, if you'd like to or silently. Lord Jesus, you did not deserve the death you got, but you did not begrudge it either. And I do not deserve the salvation I got through your suffering, but you do not begrudge that either. I praise you for your generous spirit and ask that you reproduce it in me. Yeah. That should be our desire. That he would reproduce that in each of us. Then we come to the next, the third one is, and this is the toughest one of all, and this is really to look outward, look outward in love. One of the best ways, if we want to put off the sin of envy, whenever we take something off, we need to put something back on, right? And the best thing that we can be able to put on is the virtue of love, and the ways that we do that are definitely not easy, but they're very important. And the first one is to thank God for the success 
of the person that you envy. That's a hard one, right? You might be thinking, are you kidding me? Do you know what he did to me? Do you know how bad he hurt me? Do you know what he did to get to the top? And you start to think through all these types of thoughts and emotions. It's hard to forgive him, much less, much less to thank God for him. How would we know that God commands us to even what? To pray for our enemies. One of the hardest things. But Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. That's a tough thing. And this can definitely not come through our own strength. It has to come through the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Our flesh, we know it, is so weak, but the Spirit is what? The Spirit is so very strong. And remember, too, that many times, and this is, this is a hard thing, that sometimes even in friends and acquaintances, that sometimes become enemies to us because they have something that we would like to have. So then when we pray for them, we got to truly thank God for them and the gifts that God has given them. Wow. Not easy. But it creates a peace within our souls. Then second, we should be generous with our praise towards those we envy. Generous with our praise. That's taking it a step further, isn't it? See, under normal circumstances, praising someone is a natural result, really, of enjoying the person. It's part of the process, really, of enjoying the person. That's why we can't help but cheer at sporting events, right? When our team is doing well, when the Buckeyes finally came back yesterday and started playing well, then everybody's like, yeah, you know, you're excited, you're cheering, or maybe you're cheering when it's some type of musical performance. My daughter's in dance, ballet, and, and I sometimes treat that like a football game, and I've, I've learned that I can't. I'm supposed to say bravo. Bravo. That's hard for me. But I do it. I do bravo. You know, but that's something that, that, hey, it comes out because you enjoy the person. You enjoy what you're seeing, right? But when envy comes in, the natural is replaced with the unnatural. So one of the best ways to combat envy is to privately and publicly commend and compliment others, even when we don't feel like it. Because when we got to realize we can't remain silent. We can't just give those backhanded type compliments. We can't just qualify the praise with, well, that's, that's good considering who you are. That's good considering your history. Wait a second here. That's, that's not a real compliment, right? In re- all reality, publicly celebrating the success of others will move us much closer to what Jesus was talking about with loving our enemies. So even when it's our flesh cries, no! And our flesh can really cry, no! But the Spirit cries, yes! Yes! So we have to listen to the Spirit. And then lastly, in order to look outward in love, we got to give thanks for those, for who we are instead of complaining about who we aren't. I'm guilty of that at times. This is what Carrie Newhoff says. So many times we can't love because we're stifled by insecurity. We're rooted in the false beliefs that somehow God got it wrong when he was creating us and that somehow we need to compensate for this. 
That's why many times we can be resentful of others. We can think we need to right the situation by withholding praise, trying to control things. We have to realize God got it right. When you look in the mirror, you don't have to think he messed this thing up. No, you're uniquely, wonderfully created in the image of Almighty God, right? You're special in his sight. Don't fall into the comparison trap. Don't, don't think, oh, I wish I looked better. I wish I had this gifting. I wish I could do this. You know, the comparison trap is always going to leave you empty inside, guys. I've done it too many times in my own life. Because either you start to feel completely inferior, like you just don't measure up, or you begin to feel you're superior. And both of those are sins in God's eyes, okay? So we got to remember, don't let envy entangle you. Don't let it entangle you. And the other aspect is the envy tangles. You know what's going to happen? If we allow that to happen, it, it leaves our soul really reeling in knots. It, it leaves our soul reeling in knots, you guys. And God desires to give us freedom and to give us peace. And we're going to do something for the next couple of minutes as Meg comes out. She's going to sing a beautiful song. And this song is called Nothing Else. And I want you just to sit and reflect. You don't need to sing necessarily. Just reflect on the words that she sings. And also, just let the Spirit of God begin to work in your hearts. Maybe there's some envy that you've been holding on to for way, way too long. And this is a chance for you to be able just to let it go. Just let the Spirit help you to let it go today, okay? And watch the peace that he provides you. So as Meg sings, just reflect on that, and she'll close us in prayer. Thank you.